Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. Repeat after me. months for the stolen car, five years for impersonating a federal officer, or you can go home. The Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror. I will learn all that I can. I will learn all These ain't no terrorists. You can murder and liberate them, you can't murder and liberate them. You can murder revolutionary, but you can't murder revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom. Great points, Brother Craig. Great points. On the, uh, I know you always mention about uh, when we start movements or if we, <laughs> you know, we about our culture, that it depends on two factors. Can you list those two factors? I know one was who you sleep with and the other one was <laughs> if you just oh, wanted oh, to share that and expound on that. So, so, your politics, uh, and we, we base our thing on what we call the six pillars of empowerment, spirituality, um, culture, education, economics, socionomics, and politics. And your politics, when you understand what politics is, in the movie, um, uh, Fred Hampton's character, played by um, Daniel Kaluuya, um, says that war is politics with bloodshed and politics is war with, without bloodshed. It's kind of a confusing thing, but at the end of the day, war is a part of politics, but it is not all politics. It, it is not the end-all to be-all to politics, and, and, but politics is definitely can be war, and not physical war necessarily, but war of thoughts. Because what politics is simple is a personal or group agenda, your your agenda, your particular aim at something, what what that is. That that's all politics really is. What what your individual or collective agenda is. Now as it relates to the Black Panther Party, two things were missing from the six pillars of empowerment. And that's spirituality and right culture. That's why they couldn't see the setups coming. You know, they they they, they just had an organization that was just rooted based on the desire to uh, economically advance our people, socially advance our people, and politically advance our people. That's what their desire was. But the three main pillars they were missing, spirituality, culture, and education, because without 
those three, the the other three will not work because you're not going to be able to know how to do economics. See, because they weren't focused on the first three, they wanted the white man to give them economics, and that was not going to, to happen. And they wanted their social condition to improve without spirituality, culture, and education, and that wasn't going to happen. And because they lacked the first three, they didn't understand governmental politics. They had some perspective of it, but they didn't understand the full um, aspect. And because they lacked spirituality and culture, they couldn't see the angles when William O'Neill and other um, informants came to the table. They, They called them out. They would typically say, yeah, the police are here, you know, so I'm going to say these things. But at the end of the day, what we really find about the Black Panther Party um, in the movie and historically true, they were not, the leadership was not about doing the killings that they sometimes um, advocated. Because this is brought out that they talked about killing the pigs and whatnot. They weren't about that life. Because, you know, in the movie and in real life, when the um, um, law enforcement officers came to take out Fred Hampton that morning and uh, subsequently killed Mark Clark, 99 shots were fired. Not one shot was fired in the direction of the police. The one shot that was fired was fired in the ceiling by Mark Clark that said after he had gotten shot in the chest. So out of all of the rhetoric, <laughs> they talked. They, were, they never killed any of the police. And you'll see that they were using that as a tactical maneuver to try to stimulate black folks. And it just was, it was a, it was just a poorly executed game plan. I get why they did it, but the pros that the positive aspects of how they gained attention, there were too many negatives as it relates to what came about that they weren't prepared for. Um, And at the end of the day, it put, a lot of them in jeopardy. And ultimately, ultimately, the number one Hellraiser, um, Eldridge Cleaver, he fled to Angola and then came back begging the white man to let him back in the country. And he became a capitalist and an um, ass kisser of the uh, white folks. I mean, it's just Angela Davis, same thing. Um, I mean, it's just it was just really sad to know that they didn't understand the full scope of what they were dealing with before they got involved in the game. And uh, well, Brother Craig, this is Philo the Great. And I, um, yes, sir. I heard you talking. I appreciate that insight. Um, in in the in the Judas and the uh, Judas well, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, it's a part in there, brother, where uh, the I guess. Let me see. Let me see how I want to put this. It's a part in there, in in this movie, to where um, the the Black Panther Party. They, I guess it's the it's the Black Panther Party. Uh, you got Huey Newton. You have Fred Hampton. But the part I wanted to ask you about is the the cops. Like like with, with these cops, I. I can't recall the guy's name, but he was an informant, right? And yeah, when you've seen the part, the 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 big guy, the big wig, 
um, I, get, I think that was a dude that ended up becoming president, right? Um, he he said, I already know about that guy, meaning the informant. He works for us. Um, he killed yeah. he killed another guy, right? Now, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So, and 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 dude, the other officer used that as a ploy to to let William O'Neill know that the um, Black Panthers were number terrorists, and he he yeah. said that they was equivalent to the KKK, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, based on what you just said. That whole informant thing was a setup then by the police, um, so they can infiltrate the Panthers exactly. because exactly. the Panthers never killed nobody, right? According to what I just heard you say, and you um, um, laid it out, you know what I'm saying, eloquently. You eloquently laid it out. So when when that informant came, it was not the Panthers, I guess. It was not part of their SOPs, which is standard operating procedures, to kill someone they considered a rat, no. or was that strictly the the, the police um, planting that so they can be able? Because, like he said, he said it why he did it in there. He said so. In, anywhere he goes and infiltrates, then we exactly. have a reason to to bust it down because they'll be harboring a fugitive. Exactly. So, so the scene you're talking about is when William O'Neill is coming into um, the office and um, one of the um, security detail has a shotgun and, uh, you know, it startles William O'Neill. And so he's like, man, what's going on? He's like, okay, we got a, a panther from the East Coast on the run. And so it's a cat named George Sams. So, of course, they had their dialogue and um, – um, now William O'Neill is scared as hell because George Sams tell tell them they kill um, this 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 informant. Okay, <clears throat> and so needless to say, William O'Neill goes back to meet with Mitchell and he's scared. So Mitchell then goes to the office as you're talking about and lays it out because it's like, hey, he thinking he got good news. And he's like, yeah, we already know that's George Sams. That's our guy. Of what that scene is showing you is that not only was William O'Neill an informant, but they had informants throughout the entire damn country with the Panthers. This just happened to be one of the guys that they had set up. So now he's now going to theatrically perform, although he did kill um, a particular guy in order to keep his cover from being blown, because obviously the guy he killed was basically uh, finding out that he was the actual informant. But see, now, because you're not spiritually and culturally on point, whoever has the best ability to sell himself is the one who is now going to be believed. So they believe the George Sands guy, they actually kill an innocent uh, brother. And now the pretext, and this is blowing Mitchell's mind, like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me we're not going to arrest him for murder? He's like, hey, they're just some Negroes. What is he going to say? He was not involved in the in overall uh, killing of the dude, right? So, yeah, you mm-hmm. had this going on completely. Now, I'm not saying that the Panthers never killed some of the chapters, never killed cops because that did happen, but not in any kind of major way. 
because that was not their standard operating procedure. They were just trying to use the gunplay similar to the Deacons for Defense to try to now show black people that some brothers could be courageous in carrying guns. It it, it was not the best um, tactical maneuver, but, you know, it, it, it accomplished what they needed to accomplish back in 1967 when they went to the Capitol in uh, California. But, yeah, you're right. The, the FBI set that whole thing up um, in order to now initiate all of these things. Um, also, Brother Phil, in the film, they mentioned Bunchy Carter. Now, I don't know if you did your research on why they mentioned him, but they mentioned him, and you need to check out the research because he and John Huggins were murdered in January of 1969, just 11 months before um, the murder of uh, Fred Hampton. But guess what? They weren't they weren't murdered by any cops. They were murdered by some more Negroes who followed Melena Karanga, and they were murdered at UCLA. And guess why they were murdered? These Negroes were beefing because they wanted to see who was going to be the chairperson of the Black Studies Department at the university, at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles. So they got into a beef, and Belena Karanga's people said that they overheard Bunchy Carter and John Huggins talking about Melena Karanga, and they got on some gang-type foolishness and murdered these two brothers. So now, so let me get it straight. You got the police already after you. You know, local police, uh, sheriff, marshal. You got the state police after you. You got the, the alphabet boys after you. Yet you Negroes still beefing over some foolishness. You see, this is where this is at. So this is why, again, this film is so important because the more distractions you have when you're trying to do this work, you just open the door for the alphabet boys, FBI, CIA, NSA, Secret Service. They can come at you from a variety of different ways. And if you ain't prepared for that, you, I really suggest that you sit on the sidelines. Hey, so so you mentioned um, Melina Karangu. Uh, I, I do know the research. I, I don't know extensive research, but what I do know about Buddy is that uh, he is the founder of Kwanzaa. So I do know that yeah, uh, about Buddy. Yeah. But he, but he had an organization called US, U.S. And so US, they were pushing the, the culture agenda, which the Panthers wasn't about a culture agenda. They weren't. And so they were beefing. They were beefing because everybody was trying to say, I had the right way, you know. So it was very little collaboration. The Panthers really didn't even roll with the Nation of Islam, okay? So you had a whole bunch of different Negro organizations beefing, as, and none of them understood the depths, uh, the depths of the rabbit hole. They, they didn't. They don't still to this day, right? So, but, but, but Melina Karanga was over the group called Us. And his, about three or four of his soldiers got pissed off at Bunchy Carter and John Huggins, supposedly for talking about Karanga, because it has been rumored that Karanga was, was an informant for the FBI. I don't know directly, 
But in 66, when the Panthers launched uh, in Oakland, he launched uh, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa was launched the same year that the Panthers were launched. But, but, but check this out, Phil. In my research, I used to wonder, I was like, why, did, why didn't Stokely Carmichael, a.k.a. Kwame Ture, play a greater mm-hmm. role? Well, guess what happened? Guess what happened? The FBI uh, planted information <laughs> that, that Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael, was a CIA agent. And so mm. uh, European Newton, they put a hit out on him. So, so he had to leave and go to Africa. All this was going on, right? Mm-hmm. All this was going on. Cointel Pro caused a lot of people to be killed. And if you don't have, if you don't have your head on right, somebody can bring you something about share. Like somebody could just say, uh, "Craig, man, we heard share." Is is telling people that you this that that and the third. Now, mm-hmm. now most people who don't know how to analyze and vet, they're going to be scared to go to here because it's like, okay, I'm just going to watch her because I'm going to have one up. So you ain't going to never tell her that somebody told you this. So it's a it's an easy way of playing people against each other. Now, but but the black people ain't the only ones that the FBI did this. They did this with any entity that they saw as a threat to capitalism and the political structure of this of this country. But they definitely went into paint on the Panthers and set them up, set up, um, like I say, uh, Kwame Ture, any group, the NAACP. Hell, um, Thurgood Marshall gave information <laughs> to J. Edgar Hoover that led to the death of about six Black Panther presidents. That's why that's why Jacob Hoover never did really investigate him. And that's why Thurgood Marshall's son, when he died, he fought to keep uh, his dad's records closed because it was going to expose how much of a sellout Thurgood Marshall was. Mm. Mm. It's a gangster wow. game, brother. It's a gangster game. This game is not for people... Who who do not have a spiritual, cultural, educational foundation? If you don't know how to earn your own money, if you don't know how to unite with other entities and put religious foolishness and all this other foolishness to the side, and you don't and you don't know the difference between free enterprise and government sponsored, um, you know economics, which makes no sense. That if I come up with an idea, the government is going to control my intellectual property. So, I mean, it, it makes no sense, you know. But, again, they were trying to do something, but because they were not entrepreneurs, because they were not on a spiritual and cultural tip, they got caught up in something that that, that made no sense. And, and look, Brother Phil, I'm going to give you something else to research. Because I went deep mm-hmm. into this thing. Go and research the weathermen. This was a white gangster group. Um, that was out there on the battlefield as well, but they were about that life. They were blowing mm-hmm. up, killing. I mean, they blew. They they had, um, set a bomb at the Pentagon. So mm-hmm. I'll send you. I'll send you an actual footage that was recorded of Fred Hampton what he said about the weathermen and why they, why they couldn't get 
with the weatherman, right? But but Fred Hampton was selling everybody on the Rainbow Coalition. I'm gonna send you another tape of Elaine Brown where she said, uh, when when we took these these actions, where were the weathermen? Where were the Puerto Ricans? Where were the well y'all y'all say y'all was forming a Rainbow Coalition? Ain't mm-hmm. nobody gonna come help fight your battles for you. Nobody gonna sacrifice mm-hmm. your lives for you like that. And so they left them out in the cold. And then ultimately, uh, uh, Bobby Seale left the organization, I think, in 1974, 75, and that was pretty much it. Elaine Brown was the chairperson uh, after that because Huey had, I mean, uh, Huey P was on drugs, on and off. So it, it, that was a, a real messed up situation. Well, yeah, well, they gave I'm the Rainbow you. Coalition to uh, Jesse Jackson, so he keeps hope alive. Isn't that what he said? <laughs> mm. and, and, that's the sad, and that's the sad part about this. It, when you start to peel the layers back, bow to this game, Jesse Jackson's half-brother let, – let, let, me, let me break this thing down. Jesse Jackson taught the gangsters in Chicago – how to set up 501c3s in the 1960s. And his, and his half-brother, Noah Robinson, who is still in jail to this day, one of the most brilliant cats in the, in the country. I'm talking about Noah Robinson, um, Jeff Fort, and Larry Hoover. These cats were running. These cats had 501c3s in the late 60s, early 70s. Okay. Who's Larry Hoover? I mean, Huh? Nah, my bad. I was just saying free Larry Who. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they oh, they ain't never going to do that. Yeah, they ain't never going to do that. Because they got, these cats are serious. Uh, um, I mean, I was shocked that Harry O got out, but uh, Larry Hoover, Jeff Fort, uh, Noah Robinson. Noah Robinson uh, has a MBA from Warren School of Business, man. I mean, the, the dude was phenomenal. Um, so when you talk about Chicago, uh, politics and whatnot, Brother Fred just, he was over his head. He really was over his head at that stage in the bargain. And they had to take him out because had he learned how all of this stuff really works, oh, he would have he been a monster. You know, but just the mere fact that he was interested in mobilizing and organizing the gangs, um, but you, you're going to run into a dilemma with that because remember what happened it at, was, was happening at that time. The FBI was flooding the black community. So the gangs yeah. were the main vehicle of, you know, selling drugs in the black community. So you can't have an entity um, making millions and billions of dollars selling drugs and then talk about being the vanguard, uh, connected with the vanguard to the community at the same time. It, it, it's illogical. It wasn't going to happen. Man, I'm glad you say that. I tell people all the time, bro, that then no black person sit in their kitchen and say, hmm, let me take this baking soda and mix it with this cocaine and let me see what I get. Hell no. That's called chemistry. That's chemistry. That is but, called but chemistry. Then universities, then they create like that. Said. 
didn't they create that in the lab though? Some uh some universities. I forget the name of the university. They created crack cocaine. Well just, mm-hmm. just so people know. Just so people know, uh who listen to your program there. I'm a former uh pharmaceutical sales rep, so I'm a former legal drug dealer. Cocaine is a legal drug in the United States and and Astra Pharmaceutical is one of the companies who, who uh, make cocaine, and and you can get cocaine as a med, just like you can get uh, uh, cannabis marijuana as a prescriptive med. You see what I'm saying? So to answer your question, share uh, cocaine is was created by white folks, and it is a legal drug. It's only illegal when it's um, sold without the consent of the government on the streets. <laughs> so, so the next form, all they did was take, you know, the powder cocaine, like Brother Phil is saying, connected with the baking soda, learn how to, you know, formulate it with water and and whatever other ingredients uh, to uh, make it into a rock in order to get into the brain, uh, to the bloodstream in the brain quicker. And one, we got about two minutes. Two minutes a thousand is not enough. And that's how you destroy families and homes and communities because the drug is so powerful. Like, I'm like, damn, like that make you do that? And I'm talking about people be out their mind, they come back, don't shout, and they lose all form of sanity behind that drug. And and, and again and again, if you young people listening, Man, don't try no crack. No, don't try drugs, period. But yeah, man, no, stay away no, from that, man, because one hit is too many and a thousand is not enough. Okay. You will always be chasing that first high. You'll never catch it. And you will go down in history as being a fucking drug addict. Please don't. And it takes a hell of a lot to get clean because I, I, I people, I didn't see people get clean, stay clean one or two years and right back at it. So so it's hard once you put that drug in your body. Know that it was meant to destroy us as a whole, as a race. And, man, don't, please don't give me into that one. Please. I didn't say it destroyed too many people. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, the, and the thing about it, when it crossed that blood-brain barrier, and a lot of people don't know this, the reason the theme is that, it's just like a baby that's, and I'm just speaking from a medical standpoint, you know, being a nurse. Um, it gets into your nervous system, see, and that's what why it's so hard for people to fight it as addiction, because once that into your nervous system, like you say, this uh, brother Phil, you steady chasing that first high, you constantly yeah. chasing that first high, so you know it all ties in together, and of course, you know they put that in our communities to destroy our communities, and um, definitely to get at the black man, right? <laughs> Especially with all oh, yeah. these uprising and all these <laughs> groups. Or, and it was definitely designed to break up the family. Uh, yeah. So I will also end it on this. Um, they have the series out, Snowfall. It's in season four. And yeah, exactly. it also touches on um, how crack cocaine got started with the CIA, with the war in Nicaragua. Um, they're going to Season four, episode, I want to say three, come on tonight on FX. 
at 9 p.m. Central Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But if you can catch up on all the other three episodes, that'll be great. You need I just to want catch to put up. that plug out there. <laughs> Hey, 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 I'm glad hey, I'm glad you mentioned that because they really need to look at Snowfall and also to kill a messenger um, because hey, it lays hey, it hey, out. Hey. It lays it out. Hey, so this feels good again. Is Snowfall, and, and this is what I heard. I don't know for sure. I ain't looked it up, and I will. But being that you all mentioned it, is it? Mm-hmm. Is I heard it was based on the life of Freeway Freeway yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, so that so 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 that is true. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's true. all right, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, and and so when cool. you when you look at when you look at snowfall, and then you just oppose that with uh, kill the messenger um, about the news reporter from the San, San Jose Mercury that broke the story on the CIA FBI. Um, helping to sell cocaine for the Contra rebels down in Nicaragua and then the Iran Contra rebels. When you when you when you connect all the dots you would see what how how Gary Webb was a reporter and that's what the movie um um Killer Messenger is all about. Oh it's gangster. And then and then also and then also Brother Steel you watch the movie um, American Made. Um, I was just going to say that, Brother Craig. You said the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah. You watch You watch those movies? Yeah, watch American uh, Made. Yeah, that's the one with Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Came yeah. out in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see, you'll see how this thing really – and the white folks putting it right in front of you so you can there understand. So, so the Black Panthers were – were in the way. They were in the way. Um, you know, uh, the Black Liberation Army that came out of the Black Panther Party, Party they were in the way. Um, any grassroots entity was in the way. If you're trying to mobilize, organize grassroots people, that's why I say you better watch. You better go watch Jesus and the Black Messiah because you really need to know how easy it is to put a plant and lastly, Val, there's a book um, that came out, again, this book came out back in the 80s, uh, The Judas Factor. Uh, the Judas Factor is about the, in, the informant, uh, the FBI uh, uh, informant that was used uh, in the Nation of Islam, uh, uh, John Ali or whatever his name was. He, 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 he rose to become the secretary the national secretary of the nation of Islam. Um, and then you'll hear about, you'll see Malcolm X, head of his security, worked for the FBI and the goddamn New York Police Department. You see, this game, this game is serious, man. Mm. This game is serious. So, so don't take trying to do what I do or what Cher does, you know, lightly. If you're talking about doing grassroots advocacy, and and you not prepared spiritually and culturally, because you're not going. That's the only way that you're gonna get a sense of of when they come for you. Because other than that, man, they'll use your cousin against your ass. <laughs> and and, and brother Craig, yep. And end on that point, brother Craig is correct. Even with our organization, we've had to, you know, 
sniff some people out that was suspect. So it, it, it it's going to happen regardless. Oh, yeah. So like you say, if you're not about that life, I mean, just, yeah, just yeah, expect it. But this was great. What a great perspective, Brother Craig. Appreciate you too, Brother Phil and Val, for allowing us to come on and give this commentary on Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, and we're in on that note. I don't know if you wanted to state your closing statements, Val. No, I, I don't. That was perfect. I actually enjoyed that. Um... Yeah, that was perfect because I don't know when it's going to cut off because we're already outside the window, but that would be the perfect ending. Yeah, and, and unless you guys have anything you, quick to say. Let, 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 let me tell you, right. when I first, when I left corporate in 1995, I, I started doing this work. So this is 26 years direct for me in Shreveport, but I've been doing the work for over 30 years but directly in Shreveport for, for um, 26. And I remember uh, one of my mentees, uh, the brother who filed a lawsuit to change the former government here in the city of Shreveport, attorney, former attorney, former judge, former city councilman, Gary Huckabee. This is what he told me. He said, he said uh, in terms of describing uh, politics, he, would t- he said there are no permanent uh, enemies no permanent friends, only permanent interests. And when he said that, I was like, you know, that doesn't make any sense because if you my goddamn enemy, you my damn enemy. But as I started doing this work, what I really came to understand, it wasn't that particular saying, but it was this other saying where it says politics makes strange bedfellows, right? And so what that means is, there may be times that people who are part of the Klan and who are part of the of the grassroots black movement, they may be on the same page dealing with the same issue, with that issue, okay? So politics can make strange bedfellows. But, but the reason that you will always be my permanent enemy is because, God damn it, we are permanent enemies. We, we don't share the same uh, views. But on this particular issue, we may have common interests. You see what I'm saying? So when you now analyze Yvette Cornell, uh, Antonio Moore, or anybody, okay, the number one thing, if you go and look at Bad Rustin, Bad Rustin used to talk gangster talk, gangster shit, right? But Bad Rustin was a homosexual who was involved with a Caucasian male. That's where his politics were. Mm. That's where his politics are. Whoever gives you your money, wherever you get your money from, and whoever you are sexually involved with, that's where your politics lie. See, so so you look at you look at let, let's look at you were saying um, the example you were just saying Yvette Cornell and and Tone um, and Tonya Moore they talk a lot against the top. Who's been the most modern gangster talker other than Farrakhan? Al Sharpton. What do we know about Al Sharpton, man? He's a damn FBI informant. FBI informant. <laughs> Jesse Jackson. What do we know? 
Yeah. I'm telling you, this game, this game is so now you got to factor in the boule. Okay. You got to factor y'all, all this in. It's not recording. We got to call right back. Um, cause it, it hold that thought and call right back because it's not recording. Okay. Okay. We'll call back. Okay. All right. I hope you're enjoying this big exclusive via the Judge Joe Brown Show. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Now, back to the show. This show is sponsored by the Hurricane Reports, merchandise, and more. 